Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Izzy, for introducing the idea this morning and to Rosie for reading that passage for us. Keep that open. We'll look at that together in a second. Um, when a few years ago we visited a place in London, we went to a hill in the middle of London and there's on it a, an unremarkable metal strip. But it's actually a spot that makes a big difference to all of us as we live daily life. It's called the Greenwich Meridian. It marks nought degrees longitude on the Earth. It separates, as it were, east from west. We measure the time of day by the moment that the sun crosses that line each day. Stand west of it, you're behind, as it were, time, the Greenwich Mean Time, and stand east of it, you are ahead of it. But of course, we used to enjoy trying to stand both sides of it at once, as if you've got your feet in two different time zones almost. But in reality, we can't do that, can we? We can't be in more than one place at the same time. So, you know, I might love being at my desk studying uh, or playing hockey on a field or up a Lake District mountain, but I can't be in all three places at once. I just cannot do that. I'm human. I'm limited. And as we just thought just now, in lockdown, that's even more true. We're, many of us, confined to one place, aren't we? Quite literally, all day almost. But if we try and break the limitation of, of that by maybe phoning someone or going on Zoom with someone, it feels like we're in someone else's living room. But of course, in reality, it's just an illusion. I can only be here in one place. I'm just on a screen in your room now. Now, today we're looking at the fifth in this little series. We're calling it None Like Him. It's a title we got from this fantastic book. And again, uh, this is worth picking up online. Uh, just ask us. We've got a few copies left here as well. But we've looked at how God is greater than us. He is eternal. He's unchanging, whereas we are mortal and very incomplete. Always changing and uh, decaying, getting older and changing our minds. Today we think about this theme that God is omnipresent. It's a long word. We'll think about it in a second. But it's actually very relevant today in this lockdown. Because people are asking, aren't they, where is God during coronavirus? Has he abandoned us? Is he miles away and doesn't really care about us? Where is God? Is he in the boat with us at all, as we thought earlier? That word omnipresent just means God is all present, all places, all times. It's as if he doesn't just have eyes in the back of his head. He's got eyes and ears on the other side of the universe and knows what's going on there right now as well. So if you look at Psalm 139, can you see how David puts it there? King David, as he writes this psalm in verse 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He, he's saying, wherever I go, I can't get away from you. If I was to play hide and seek with God... It would be really unfair. He says, if I go up to the heavens, he means up in the sky, will you there already? If I go down to the depths of the earth, you're there as well. If I go to the, the far east, you know, he means like not just Great Yarmouth, he means the far east. You're there. If I go far west, you're there. I can't escape. You are everywhere. 
That's what omnipresence means. We can't escape him. We can't get away from him. I think of this word omnipresent as, as like this slightly simpler way of thinking of it. All of God in all places, all at once. All of God in all places, all at once. And just like the other things we've seen in this series about God, this is actually really good news for us, that he is so different, so much greater than we are. And right now, we're going to have a look at what the Bible writers say about this idea that God is in all places, all at once, all of him. Well, there'll be some other references I'll refer to. They are in the description under the video. So if you want to have a look at those later, just look at them one by one in your own time. But let's start. We'll look at four quick things very quickly. Here's the first thing. God is everywhere, but not in the same way. What do we mean by that? He's everywhere, but not in the same way. Well, think of hearing a piano playing music. That music is all around you in the air, whoever you are walking by. But for, for one person, it enters their mind and heart as a tune that they love, that they take inside, that they hum to themselves. Music can be around us, but it can actually, in a special way, be inside us. It's like that with God's presence. God is in all creation. He's everywhere, like the air that we breathe, and even more so. He sustains the sun as it burns every moment. He helps the eagle searching for food every day. But he's specially present to human beings, men and women, boys and girls. Acts 17, the Apostle Paul says that he's not far from any of us, any of us. He's not far. He says, in God, we live and move and have our being. So God is, if you like, he's closer to you yourself than your own skin is. We look at the world, we see the, the fingerprints of God out there in the world, and we know that he is close to us. But he's even more especially present to what the Bible calls his covenant people, the people he makes his own through his love for them. David, the Jewish king, knows this. If you look at the end of the psalm, verse 24, he says, very last line, lead me in the way everlasting. That's David saying, I know your special love for your family, your covenant people. You promised to be with Abraham back in Genesis, to be with God's people in the time of Moses in Exodus, with me now as the king of Israel. You gave us the tabernacle and the temple to show that you long to live among us. And for us today as Christians, we know this special grace that he's shown us in Christ, who lives in us by his spirit, and who will lead us in the way everlasting, his presence and his love. So God's everywhere, but not in the same way. Secondly, he's also everywhere, but actually, this will sound strange, not only everywhere. The Bible reminds us that all that we see, what we call everywhere, the world, the universe, is not all there is, that God lives outside 
the universe, the creation as well. There's heaven and earth, as David mentions in the psalm in verse 7 and verse 8 and verse 9. But there's also what's called heaven. The invisible reality, eternity, in which God also lives. God is everywhere we see, but actually he's more than that. You can't restrict him. Limit him in the creation, he's beyond it as well. Not only everywhere. So in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon is building a temple for God and he prays a wonderful prayer and he praises God that the heavens and earth cannot contain him. He says, They cannot contain you. You are too great, even for the universe, to have you inside. You're beyond that. He is everywhere, but not only everywhere, he's in eternity. The heavens, God says in Isaiah 66, are my throne. The earth is my footstool. So isn't that wonderful? He lives in eternity, but he's chosen to come and, as it were, take a seat, live within creation as well. Third thing, God is not only here, he's also there. See, if I'm in my home as I am now, I can't also be in Horning which is not very many miles away from here. But I can't divide myself to be in both at once. That would be very painful. But it's a bit like this glass of water, isn't it? If I have a glass full of water like this one here and an empty glass here, I can pour the water from one to the other. And this glass is now full of water. But do you see, this glass is now empty. I can't divide the water any other way than putting half in each only one glass can be full god's not like that god can be fully everywhere all at once all of god in all places all at once and if you think about this way as well i could pour some of that water into a glass of orange juice maybe good night as well so let's just do that now pour a bit in there now you could say well yes the water's in the orange juice now but how are you going to Get it out again. It's mixed, isn't it? It's, it's all mixed up with it. Again, God's not like that. If you put God in creation, if he lives as he does among us, it doesn't mean he's mixed with us. He's still distinct from. He's the creator. And we're the creation among which he lovingly chooses to live. And one other thought on this, he's not just here, he's there. Everywhere, all at once, all of him, but unmixed in us. If I'm in a Zoom meeting, um, sometimes this is a confession. Sometimes I'm not fully paying attention to the person on the screen. You might have this during the service right now. It's very hard, isn't it, to give your full attention to one person on a screen. Because I, I might be maybe checking my phone or reading a note on my desk. Again, God's not like that. He doesn't sort of half give himself to us. He's fully present to us, all of God, in all places, all at once. It's a wonderful, wonderful thought, isn't it? Here's the last one. You've probably guessed this one now. It's the flip side. Not only when we say God is everywhere, we're saying he's not just here, he's there. We're also saying he's not just there, he's here. David, back in our psalm, says in verse 8, if I go to the heavens, you are there. 
If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So he knows that God is there where he is not at the moment. God is there. But he also knows the other side, that God is here. And it does make him nervous, that truth. Verse 1, he says, you've searched me and you know me. God is right here in my heart, in my mind. He knows my very thoughts. That is quite a thought, isn't it? He is like the, the ultimate referee in a football match. The ultimate VAR or CCTV. I can think or do nothing God doesn't see. What a thought. But actually, for David, even more, this is really good news that God is not just there but here. Because David says at the end of our psalm again that God will lead him in the way everlasting. And he says in verse 10, you see that in verse 10, there, wherever I find myself, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Those words that inspired a wonderful hymn, you will hold me fast. He knows that God's presence above all else means his love with us. He is in the boat with us in the storm. Later in Christ, as the second part of the Bible, the New Testament tells us, God came specially among us in Christ. He steps into our world. He becomes one of us for our good and for his glory. God is here in Christ. He walked the earth. I could have touched him. So Matthew chapter 1 Verse 23, Jesus' miraculous conception, the Christmas story, fulfills the prophecy that a virgin would give birth to a son and give him the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That's Jesus, God with us, God here. Jesus later promised in John 14 that when he died and rose, he would then send his spirit, who would, he said, come to live with you and in you. That's Christ here in us by his spirit. 1 John 4, John the disciple says that whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Not just there, here. And then in Revelation 21, we have this great promise for the future that that Hearness of God, the everywhere with us, will be fulfilled in what we call heaven. Revelation says that the new creation will mean the heavens and the earth coming together, and it says God's dwelling will be with his people. God is here and not just there. Now, some of you are probably thinking, here's a good question if you're a Bible uh, reader, that you're probably asking, doesn't the Bible say, Richard, that God is far from the proud. So how can he be near to all of us? And it also says that God is near to those that draw near to him. That's in James chapter four. How can God be near and far all at once to different people? Well, you might also say Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians, Christ came and preached peace to those who are far away and those who are near. What does that mean? I thought God was near to us all. Jesus says, doesn't he, that the Son of Man, when he returns as judge, will come 
at a day or hour you don't expect him. That doesn't mean he's, he's far away right now and one day he's going to come again. Well, you're right. It's a really good question. Um, I think here's the answer. We need to keep the idea of God's being close to us as he really is just distinct in our minds from the truth that God acts differently towards us, sometimes in response to how we act towards him, and certainly always for our good. So he's present at all times to you and me, but he may withdraw his comfort from me in order to help me to repent of sin or to perhaps learn godliness in a trial. He comes to us to bless us or to judge us, but he's actually closer to us than our own skin all the time. So all of God, in all places, at all times. How's that make a difference, you ask? Well, here's a few thoughts on that to finish. What does this incredible truth say? Well, one thing, it says that Christ is close to you. He's close to you. Maybe you're watching this and you know that God is there somewhere, but this is the first time today that you heard that he's close to you, calling you to know him. Isaiah says, call on the Lord while he is near. It could be he's coming close to you right now, inviting you to reach out back to him and grasp that hand of love with your hand of faith. Christ died for you to forgive your sins, to bring you to know him as your saviour and Lord for eternity. If that's you, reach out, get in touch with a church near you, ask how you can find Christ. Now get in touch with us if we can help you. He's close to you. Secondly, he cares for you, whoever you are. Very easy, isn't it, right now to think in this pandemic, um, what is going on? How can this be part of God's plan? It does indeed mystify us all. But the fact that God is omnipresent, all of him in all places all at once, means, doesn't it? A different response from just giving up on God in this time. It means that we respond as certainly as Christians by saying, we accept all that comes in life as somehow under his gracious hand. As Romans 8, 28 says, we believe, we trust that he works for good in all things, not just easy things, all things. We trust him. We pray for faith to keep trusting him in all things. God cares for you. God's hand is there for you in hard times as well. He sustains all things. He keeps them going. He guides everything that takes place. He's in charge in a good and perfect way. Now, that doesn't mean that prayer, therefore, has no place because God's just going to sort it out anyway. Prayer is one of the ways God brings about his perfect plans. That's why it's so great for us to pray daily at home, to pray weekly with our church families we're going to do in a second to pray monthly as we're going to do on wednesday in our prayer focus time if you've got five people 
as many of us are at Holy Trinity, that you're praying for, for ways for Christ to draw them to himself, to point them to Christ. Why not keep praying for them this week? Because we have a God whose hand is there to help us and lead us. God sees all of you, everything you do. Search me and know my heart, says David in this psalm. And we can say that same prayer to God, not with terror, because he, he sees our sins, he, he forgives them in Christ, but with a plea for his help. You see all I do. He knows my every thought. That helps me to steer clear of temptation when I remember that he sees everything. And it spurs me on, doesn't it, towards love and good deeds that I live out before Christ who gives me the strength to do them. Last thought, God is also the greatest delight for you and for me. The greatest delight there is. In Philippians, Paul in prison says that for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says that because he desires to go to what we call heaven to be with Christ. That's the true, true delight. But he also knows maybe God needs him to be still behind here on earth for a bit to help those he writes to, to follow Christ, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Why don't you and I pray that we can desire that closeness to Christ that Paul now has in eternity. We can desire it and find our delight in him today and especially perfectly in eternity. Pray for his spirit to fill you with desire to be close to Christ. See, far from being an obscure idea, this idea of God's omnipresence is actually the very heart, isn't it, of the Christian faith? Because it's saying to us that God comes among us to call us. He comes in Christ to cleanse us from sin, to share our human life, to guarantee his presence by his spirit, to lead us into his presence as we pray by the spirit, to usher us into his eternal presence, and right now, daily, to help us put sin to death until we're with him in glory. Face to face, unspoilt then by evil, by trials, by sin, even by death. Let's pray now. So prayer, picking up some of the words from our psalm. Lord, search me and know my heart. Show yourself as I seek you. Thank you that you came near in your son. May the Lord Jesus Christ live in me by his spirit. As I turn to and put my faith in him. May I delight in your presence. Now and always. And today. Lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.